feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing stuff from the news because we haven't really talked in like two weeks. Um, so we're just going to sort of catch up on headlines in the news uh, that that we've missed our um, really important commentary. And I know most of you couldn't sleep at night without hearing what we thought about certain things that happened the past two weeks. So we're just going to talk about the news. And we also have a special interview that we'll feature um, because as those of you who know uh, that Mel's been in Milwaukee um, part of the past two weeks, and she interviewed her seven-year-old friend, Jacob, uh, who has a lot to say about the video game rating system. So we're going to get into all that, and I'm stoked to be back with Melody. Yay! But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the World Wide Web? Yay! Hello, I'm back! Yay! Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> uh welcome to episode 22 with the club horn <laughs> uh, um as rachel asked you can find us on itunes and you can leave us a review there that would be awesome we have an instagram account we have facebook we're on twitter we also have a feminist killjoys phd mixtape that rachel put together on spotify and if you have some extra dollars and want to support feminist media labor, we uh, are, take donations on our website, which is feministkilljoyspodcast.com. We also have a Patreon account where people have generously donated monthly dollars for us to support what we do. So thank you to our supporters. Um, and if you'd like to check in with me via email, um, our address is fkj.phd at aol.com. Just kidding. <laughs> it's gmail.com. But I just... It I really, might as well be AOL. Oh, man. Can you still get those? I really want to get an AOL. I don't know. My friend has a Hotmail account still. My friend still has an AOL.com Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I, re- I want to really quick give a shout out to our most recent Patreon contributor, Sophie. She's like such an awesome person. I got to meet her once in person. Um and not only is she a new Patreon subscriber, but she also um, uh, responded to my call for people to share their tattoo stories. I, when we played our rerun of our tattoo episode in the beginning, I was like, hey, Instagram us and ta- you know, tag us and tell us why you love and care about your tattoos in feminist ways. And she did that. And you should look on our Instagram because she, uh, I reposted it and it's like a lovely reflection on tattoos. So thank you, Sophie, for... Um, Patreoning us and for telling us your tattoo story. You are awesome. She also has great Instagram pictures of vegan food. Yeah, totally. Follow <laughs> Vegan Sophie for sure. Yeah, cool. Cool. So it's been two weeks and I haven't got to, I haven't been able to hear a Melody check in. So what have you been up to for the past two weeks? No. I think I did not check in about this because we were so excited to let John talk for like our whole episode. It's true, yeah. So it's been like three weeks without check-ins. Yeah, but I do want to say that I went to this awesome feminist hip-hop show like three weeks ago called Clituation. Mm. And um, the highlight of it was Manchita perform from Girl Party, who's my girlfriend. Amazing. She doesn't, she, it's the non-consensual. <laughs> she doesn't know. Right. It's the non-consensual girlfriend. Anyways, moving on. She <laughs> threw bloody tampons out into the audience, which she does often when she performs. Mm-hmm. And I collected some of them. And guess what Daniel's favorite toy is now? Oh, God, the bloody tampon. Yes, throwing Amazing. the bloody tampon <laughs> into the air, and he catches it. This is my cat, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is amazing. And just so re- you've talked about this before, but it's like fake bloody. It's like not a real Oh, yeah, tampon. it's Kool-Aid. It's Kool-Aid. Yeah. Uh, I know this because I was drunk and I licked the tampon oh, at dear. the club with my <laughs> fellow feminist friend. <laughs> We're like, mm, tastes sweet. Okay. Um, so anyway, so there was that. And then, um, yeah, so I was in Milwaukee for a while, which is always good. I'm going to Eau Claire's, the music festival next weekend. Mm-hmm. But I'm broke because it's the end of the summer and I yeah. only get paid 
for nine months of the year. So my partner, who is a genius, found us a volunteer gig where if you work for 12 hours throughout the festival, you can get in for free for the rest of the festival. And it's a a two-day festival. So like working 12 hours is totally doable. And you get to pick one band that they promise you won't have to work during. And so we chose Bon Iver. So I'll definitely be able to see them perform. And they're playing all new music. Fun. This. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And then my last thing I'll say is I went to the Herbivorous Butcher Shop today. Oh, how is it? Which vegan Sophie will probably be jealous of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lacey and all my mm-hmm. all our other vegan listeners. Um, mm-hmm. It's awesome. I mean, it's so kitschy in there because they do it straight up like a deli. Mm-hmm. Everything is very expensive because it's all made from scratch. Right. Um, but it's really cool. I mean, it's very gluten-y, so yeah. you probably would not love it but yeah um, it's still but I would yeah I would like it just for like the experience of going to a vegan butcher shop (laughs) and I think that's like mostly the fun of it like I never get a ton of stuff but I'll be like sure I'll try your pastrami and it's right (laughs) whatever but their cheese is awesome that's Um, great yeah so anyways we did that and I felt very like vegan utopia today right right oh Minneapolis yeah yeah cool um well that's great I um I hope we, we we'll definitely talk more about your bikes, your bike, like the River Rust 24 in particular and just bike stuff. But um, yeah, we'll plan something for that. Later. Yeah, it looks it looks cool, though, from the pictures. And yeah, good, good roundup. Um, good check in. Uh, I no, I don't have anything quite as quite as exciting as that. Um, I was in Cleveland for a part of the the our sort of hiatus. Um, so I saw my uh, family just for a couple days. It was a quick trip, but um, it was good to be in the Cleve. I saw my little um, you know, fake nephew. I'm not, not blood nephew, but, mm-hmm. um, and niece. Uh, so there are now two babies that are the, the, um, offspring of my, my childhood best friend. So I got to see them, which was always nice. And mostly though, it's just been, um, trying to like really buckle down and get my syllabi for the next semester planned. I have, um, four classes that I'm teaching in the fall, four different classes. So Ooh. four preps. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's a lot, but it's, you know, it's super fun stuff to plan. It's media stuff, feminist stuff, race stuff. So it's, you know, everything I love, but it's just a lot of work. And yeah, mostly that. And then a lot of people um, in Ann Arbor that I'm friends with, mostly through my partner, but um, but also have my sort of separate friendships. Every, everybody's like leaving. It's the time when everybody's just sort of leaving. So we've had lots of like goodbye dinners and goodbye drinks and stuff. So um, kind of feelings stuff. And um uh, it was also the anniversary last week of our good friend Jesus, who we've talked about on the podcast um, of his death. So, kind of a heavy, heavy August, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um, that's 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 that. So, yeah, it is. That's how it goes. Um, yeah, I can't. I think I did something like particularly unique and cool, but I just like don't remember what that was. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Wow, that sounds really fun. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. So who's running the dinner party this week? Okay. Shout out to the Olympics commentators on mm-hmm. NBC. Have you watched any of the Olympics? I actually have not watched okay. any of the Olympics. So this is actually a um, – I'm riffing – I'm stealing this from my brother, who all of my brothers are feminists, but, like, it has to be pretty bad for them to, you know, like really glom on to something and complain mm-hmm. about it. So my oldest brother uh, posted today on the internet about um, he created a day drinking game where you should take a shot every time a commentator says something racist and sexist. Mm. And the U.S. commentators, I mean, I, I'm not sure yeah. how other countries do their, you know. Right. But uh, it was something about like how it. somebody was commenting that like their wife so there's a an athlete in which the wife is the coach of the athlete. And they're like, how would you like it if your wife was your coach? And then, they oh like, my God. Yeah. And then, so of course I like totally believe my brother that it's just a train wreck, you know, with all the male commentators, see if they would have more women commentators, this shit would like not fly. Right. But then this morning I was tuning in to see if I could watch the, the women's basketball team play. I could not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But while I was trying to figure that out, this guy, this commentator, did they did a pan of the beach in Rio, and he was simultaneously talking about ha- how they have an app online that you can see other coverage. 
Yeah. And so he's like, whoa, well, maybe some of this stuff should be online only. And it was just like panning women sunbathing. Oh, my gosh. So like actively objectify. <sighs> Gross. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So they yeah, fucking the- ruined my dinner. Yeah, the Olympics, I mean, they ruin a lot of things. My mom was, my mom was telling me about the opening ceremonies and those actually, and she was, you know, she knows critiques about stuff, but she, she was like, it really is hard not to feel moved by how excited all the athletes are. And like that separate from the sort of structural outs, like thing, you know, issues with the Olympics and obviously commentators, as I just learned from you, um, like just physical awesomeness in athletic form is like. I mean, it's pretty cool. And, you know, there's been some, um, you know, historically some interesting, important things at the Olympics, like the Black Power Fist. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we can link to that. That article has been like super viral because of the Olympics. Um, but but that said, between sexist, racist commentators and the fact that having the Olympics in any city usually gentrifies and displaces entire populations, um, it's usually not that great, <laughs> you know, for, for marginalized people. No, it's awful. And I mean, yeah. Dave Zirin has a book called Dancing with the Devil or Dance with the Devil. And it's all about Brazil and the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it came out a couple years ago, but it's totally relevant to this Olympics again. Um, yeah. and it's, it's just totally about the politics of, of the politics and also how it destroys, um, poor communities because those are the ones that get displaced to build these Olympic villages, which then are very rarely repurposed for anything and then are just abandoned. Yep. So um, that's an issue. But yeah, I was talking about this with my partner last night because they were saying we should just abolish the Olympics. Like, why do we even have them? And Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, these are elite athletes that try, you know, that their whole life is dedicated to getting to the Olympics. Right. And so they do, they should have a space to compete. Maybe not in the space that we have, that we've created via the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But I think it is important to give them space. Yeah. Although another critique would be they're elite athletes. Is this really like what's going to be our problem that we're going to solve? Yeah. But no, I, I hear that. There's lots of layers because then also you see all these like success stories of people coming up from poverty right? and they're elite athletes and they get all this recognition and they bring the money home to their communities. Right. Which is, I mean, perpetuating like bootstrap American dream, but, but (laughs) I mean, in the context of our capitalist system, that's better than the alternative. So, um, yeah, yeah. The Olympics. Well, that's certainly one piece. So they're not only ruining the dinner party, but that's also a good transition into things in the news. So we cover, you know, our stance on the Olympics, um, listeners. Mm -hmm. So what else do we want to talk about? I read, um, a article this morning on the GOP, super fascinating about how um elected so people who are running for office right now uh there's like some primaries coming up in august and then obviously the big election in november but now the gop is having conversations with people running asking Mm -hmm. them to distance themselves from trump and actually say when i get elected i'll like tamp down whatever he decides to do interesting Anyways, that's just the reality we live in. Yeah. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Um, or, we'll have- oh, the other part of it, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Is uh, the, they were also, another strategy is to just talk about it as if Hillary's just going to run or win and then say, once Hillary wins, we'll make sure that we have a Republican-led House and Congress mm. so that we can, or House and Senate so we can you know, control what she does. Right. So it's basically, it's just, cra- I mean, this crap is crazy and maybe we should just stop talking about him, but um, it's just been interesting. Kind of the, I've been stopping to actually read some of these strategy articles. Right. Um, instead of just shooing everything, but right. It seems to be pretty cray cray in the GOP. Yeah. Um, that is, that, that certainly is. Um, I'm going to, do a bracket for um, language because crazy is a word that people are trying to get away from, particularly, and it's come up with Trump in particular, like people's like, people are like, he's crazy. This is crazy. And just the, um, 
folks in disability communities and uh, neurodivergent communities that are trying to get away with projecting the word crazy onto people like Donald Trump and and the GOP. Um, do you know what, what I'm talking about? Do you know the critique that I'm talking about? Yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. It's hard. Yes. Yeah, so I'm it's, all- it's, it's hard. So, but, but actually, but more than just, I'm not trying to call, it's not just me calling you out or calling you in, whatever. It's more to also bring that into these discussions about what it means to take him seriously as not just a quote unquote, right. you know, crazy person, but um, as somebody who is, you know, genuinely and sincerely speaking to the fears and anger of many, many people that want to elect him. Um, so all just sort of the same, like trying not to just completely dismiss it and actually try to like think about how to approach this um, more seriously. So, yeah, we can link to some articles about all that, all those things. That's true. Yeah. Thank you for that um, reminder about language yeah. and. Yeah. Um, I like I've, to say, but I like to say bananas instead thank of crazy. You. Yeah. Thank you. What about yeah. Looney Tunes? I heard somebody say Looney Tunes. Do we talk about this already? We might have actually talked about this, and I feel like that has. I think we did because I was like, well, that historically, like the Looney Bin is oh, still yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. Okay. Anyway, bananas. I like it. Bananas. Yeah. So to give equal time to both parties, because we are a broadcast mm-hmm. uh, corporation. <laughs> did you want to speak to the? Uh, yeah. The Dems, the DNC party. I, I did want to speak to the Dems. I felt like I just I just feel like it was the week that the DNC was airing. I just felt like was a prime example of how hard it is to be a killjoy in the world because everybody and their brother like were, you know, at least on the somewhat moderate to left liberal side of the spectrum were like so fucking excited about every speech of the DNC about Michelle Obama, about Clinton, about both both Clintons, about Obama, um, uh, Barack Obama, you know, every speaker, yeah. everybody was just like falling all over themselves, like so excited. And admittedly, I actually sat down and watched it. That was I was in Cleveland during that. Um, so my family had it on TV and we were watching it. And like, I have to admit, I was very moved, but like they they had good they're they're really good speakers. They had good speech writers. Um, it was really moving. And yet I just can't get like weepy and excited about like neoliberal politicians that, you know, kill people overseas and expand the prison system and want to keep capitalism alive and well. And it was really hard to like have that opinion Ever, you know, it's really hard to be like a very far left person in the world. Um, but it was particularly hard that week. And I just felt like, you know, if I posted like a particularly like snarky article in response to anything, like I did like the custom thing on Facebook, because I just felt like I was going to mm-hmm. offend all these like people who just felt like, oh, the glass ceiling has been shattered. I'm like, mm, there was that great. I think you did this tweet, like the glass ceiling shatters and then like poor black women sweep up the glass like yeah, that's Wintana um, from Minneapolis. Yeah. That's the yeah. originator. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, I don't know. It felt, how did, did you watch it at all? Did you, did you have any of those killjoy feelings like want, want? Okay. Well, first off, the glass ceiling did break because did you not see the video where the glass broke and then Hillary Clinton appeared? I actually, I actually didn't see that video. <laughs> so I'm telling it like it, it did. Happened. It's done. Okay, great. The glass did break <laughs> and then she showed up in real time. Um, (laughs) um, no, actually I watched myself. I did not have killjoy moments. I watched myself get totally brainwashed by these videos that they were doing. Mm. It was like straight up psychology. Like, like they they did the videos were strategic, like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Psychologically meant to disrupt whatever negative thoughts you had on any of these people like totally I'm gonna miss Barack Obama so much totally and even with the Hillary Clinton video I was like "Eh." but I in the 90s she really did do a lot of things for women and so I can't like get you know I'm like yay you did help oh my god and uh, so, and it was hard because I was watching, but I was so fully aware of the brainwashing right. that was happening. I was like, oh my God, this shit is magical. What are they doing right. to me? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I I hear you. Like, I I think maybe my voice was just like a little bit louder. But I I was also like I said, I was also moved. I think I definitely got choked up a couple times. You know, it is. It's powerful stuff. And it's also like it can be both and. Like there yeah. can be like good. I think particularly there have been like a handful of very progressive domestic things that the Obama administration and um, Hillary Clinton in particular have pushed um, that like, I'm not going to be mad about. Uh, But it's, it's just, yeah, but it just felt like, man, everybody was so excited. And I was like, I still want to talk about how she like, was like, yay, Israel, I'm not even going to say the word Palestine and, like, all the other shit that that happened. And so, anyway, I just felt very killjoy And then I I tweeted on our our Twitter um, the gif of Susan Sarandon. Did you see that, Mel, that Mm -hmm. I tweeted that? Yeah. Um, And I just, like, loved that because she was, like, not here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Although I will say that watching the Clintons, like, freak the f out over the balloons yeah. <laughs> it was very funny oh it was my god funny. bill clinton <laughs> loves balloons yeah yeah is he still vegan oh that's a good question i don't know he looks damn good for he looks yeah. better that now than he did when he was whatever when he was president yeah totally that's what happens when you go vegan and stop eating mcdonald's yeah it's it's true if you i mean priv- that was a very privileged thing to say well, I. Uh, we, but that's I, Bill Clinton. I'm talking only to Bill Clinton. I'm just, right. Exactly, because he clearly had enough money and time and resources to do things other than McDonald's. But yeah. he. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you this? Is a, I'm gonna just insert a McDonald's thing. Did I tell you I had to take Jacob to McDonald's? No, you didn't. How did that go? <laughs> I had to because he was having a meltdown. Uh, this is like, now I see, I had a small glimpse into why parents choose to take children to McDonald's sometimes. Yeah. Total meltdown and insisting on going to this pizza place like 10 miles. He was just like, you know, hangry meltdown. Yeah. And we were a mere block away from McDonald's. And I said, why don't we go to McDonald's? And he said, yeah. And then he perked up the minute he put calories into his mouth. Right. Right. Uh, It was, I mean, some of it was my fault because I... For, we were playing Pokemon Go, and I like yeah. lost track of time. But I had to go to McDonald's and order a freaking Happy Meal. Yeah, and watch him eat it, and right. so. Ugh. But that's why, because like children have, you know, it's like an emergency. It's an amazing place to get food instantly when yeah. your child is having a freaking meltdown and right. you can't take it anymore. And they're like, he wouldn't even because we were walking around the neighborhood, and he was like, I cannot walk back home. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, what so do you what do? else are you going to do? Yeah, well, I think that's also why a lot of parents have, like, goldfish and plastic mm-hmm. baggies and granola bars on their person, like, all the time. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but I can imagine, yeah, you were in a tough position. So, ugh, yeah, man, parenting, I, I spent, you know, I, yeah, every time I go home and visit and visit, um, uh, my best friend's kids. I'm just like, I'm just very in awe of parents and my friend in particular. And just, it's a lot of patience and a lot of things that you do that you wouldn't think you would do. And apparent, you know, maybe going to McDonald's is one of those. Yeah. <sighs> yeah interesting. Um, so that was our transition, I guess, out of the DNC. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to connect McDonald's to anything else on our, on our news list. Um, okay. Abrupt transition. <laughs> Let's talk about something else depressing. Ready? Okay. Um, Syria. Have you been? No. Tell me the. Syria? I no. Tell me the latest. I think it's not really the latest. It's hard to get news out of Syria because um, the U.S. is deciding that it's not an important thing to cover. Really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a couple articles today. I get the Sunday New York times. So I was just doing mm-hmm. my news check in and um, like, there's some feature pieces where they're finding people from Syria in other countries and are able to talk with them. Yeah. But there's like some pretty crazy, like I, like a week ago or something, NPR did a feature story with a doctor um, that was kind of coming and going from Syria, helping refugees. And 
one of the roads to Aleppo had actually like gotten cut off. And so mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. no, f- they're like, there's just people just starving without yeah. medical supplies. And like, yeah. it's, and then there's this issue with Russia and getting involved. And then the, it's just, it's, I just wanted to put it out there. Like Syria is, is a country right in disarray. And perhaps you could just do some research and read some articles yeah, and just know about what's going on. I know it's hard I know I can hear my students already. It's just such a bummer watching, reading the news. Like, I don't want to. And I think it just makes you a a better human if you can kind of stay connected with uh, trials and tribulations of other people. But it it makes me feel bad that, like, we don't have access to information about people who are, like, starving to death, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, And I know it's happening in other places, of course, but it's just kind of like I don't... In their honor, I'd at least like to like kind of know what's going on, even yeah. though I can't directly help them. At least I can be aware of their circumstances. Right. Well, and also, I mean, Syria in particular, like the solution of the U.S. in so many problems in other countries like that is to bomb who they think are the bad guys. And we know for a fact in Syria that we have drone bombed innocent people as well like whoever you want to and of course bad guys are socially constructed by the u.s and i'm not saying in 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 some places that feels very true and real but regardless like people who have nothing to do with who the u.s wanted to bomb get killed and like so i think it's also worth reading those things to be like oh these are human beings who like you know are worthy of life and maybe i could try to put pressure on politicians to not like bomb them as a way to help them um, because that sounds weird. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's uh, it is depressing and um, seems really overwhelming. And uh, but we are here to ruin your um, hour of podcast listening and and your dinner party. So there it is. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Um, This next one sounds lighter. What's what's in the news about two dope queens? Oh, the New York Times went, this is not an advertisement for New York Times. Sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) But the New York Times um, followed Jessica and Phoebe um, to, during Jessica's uh, birthday party podcast. Mm -hmm. So Two Dope Queens, we talked about this with John, but it's an awesome podcast. They're like our feminist sisters, even though they don't know who we are. (laughs) It's true. Um, But... uh, they so they did an article following them around for their podcast and just kind of did a um like a just a feature piece on on who they are it was pretty quick because john stewart showed up to the podcast taping and um said hi and jessica Mm -hmm. got a cake made to look like her including her gorgeous long dreads fun also she just turned 27 she's only 27 yeah yeah, it's hard. The older I get, the younger people who are doing really cool things get. And I'm like, man, yeah, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, she is so rad. I'm so, ha- like, not, like, jealous. I'm just so yeah. happy for her success. Totally. She's totally rad. And, like, totally. her and Phoebe are, like, changing the, the scope of what feminist comedy looks like, you know, inserting, like, a lot of people of color um, cause Phoebe has the, so many white guys podcast as mm-hmm. well. So it's great. It's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. 27. <laughs> yeah. So, um, That's very awesome. happy for her. Yeah. yeah and totally. also I will say though, just to get real, real on the like economy and structures of podcasts, you know, yeah. there's like a, I do feel jealous about people who have podcasts via like WNYC totally. and like, and Camu Bell, who's already very popular, but like through these like major distribution channels, it's like, yeah, it's like artists that get signed to major labels right away. Yeah. And then get all this exposure and like we're playing the like block party and then we'll get up to the like nightclub maybe. And right. um, It's just a different (laughs) circuit. Yeah. Um, It's just amazing how like if you sign up with a, a major radio station, how how much exposure you get immediately. Right. Totally. Which again, which which is like, I mean, how amazing is it that something like two dope Queens is the thing that's getting attention? Like that's super, super awesome. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, obviously there's a gigantic advantage (laughs) in terms of getting listeners and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I will say too, I want to dig, cause I'm a radio nerd. 
I have an Ira Glass tattoo on my leg if you doubt how nerdy <laughs> I am about the radio. But I do want to dig in and um, maybe we can hopefully talk to somebody at WNYC and like talk about the like how that works because it's super weird that WNYC is like a podcast queen right now. Like yeah. they did There Goes the Neighborhood, which I re- referenced before, Two Dope Queens, like all these like top notch podcasts. And it's yeah. just. And inter- there's probably some interesting economics that we could talk about why radio totally. stations are getting into podcasting and with like things like two dope queens, which is totally like not NPR at all. You right. Know? Right. It's very yeah. it can be very radical. Like they talk about butt sex sometimes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and now this podcast has been rated NC-17. Right. Um. Was that an intentional transition into our next segment? It wasn't, but I realized how brilliant it was, so we're just going to go with it. It's super brilliant. Yeah, so there we go. That's some headlines from the news, as discussed by Melody and Rachel. Two feminist killjoys. mm -hmm. So I'm stoked about this. So we want to, we're transitioning into this interview you did, and tell us about that. Mm -hmm. So my, my friend Jacob is seven years old, and he lives in Milwaukee, and I've been spending a lot of time with him this summer. And we've been having some really interesting discussions about video games the whole summer, which is cool because I don't I've, you know, played Nintendo when I was a kid, but I'm not a super gamer. But I always love listening to my students when they talk about video games. And it's just such an interesting industry that I know very little about. But uh, Jacob's kind of. Uh, his killjoy moment this summer has been over the rating system. So if you're not familiar with video games, no matter if it's an app or a computer game or like a video game you play on a console, they all get rated. And then if you're a child and you have parents um, that are overly concerned about what you're um, consuming, they will say, no, you can't play it because it's rated teen. So it's kind of it's exactly like the movies um, it just has different ratings. So like they have everyone, they have everyone 10 and over, teen, mature, adults only. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like adults only would be like NC-17. Um, mature like would be... Grand Theft Auto, is that what that falls into? I think that might be mature actually. Oh, really? Like 17 plus or 18 plus. Okay. Um, I think like, and there's some things with like, you can buy it with parental supervision you can buy it if a parent buys it it's like if you go to an r-rated movie if you're above i think a certain age you can get in with a parent yeah but they're not going to let like a three-year-old in it doesn't matter how many parents you have with you so right so he's so he's really okay so there's this also this part of the video game world where people will play video games on youtube have you heard of this rachel uh, I feel like maybe I guess I knew that. Yeah, but tell me, tell us Okay, more. now you totally know this. I totally, okay. <laughs> so now, <laughs> there's a whole industry where people make millions of dollars. Oh, yes. Playing video games right. online. So one right. of the major guys is called Dan TDM. Um, I think I probably butchered his name. But anyways, he's very popular. He's very cute. He's from England and he's got emo boy hair and Mm -hmm. tattoos. And he just plays video games all day and he records them and he makes commentary while he's playing. Okay. And kids just eat it up, you know? Hmm. And then there's like a family who does it and it's all his kids and him. There's weird polit. I don't like how he treats his wife, but um, (laughs) he plays video games with his kids and records it. like millions of views millions it's so popular now and this is like way we didn't have this when i was a kid so it's totally different you know way to engage with video games right so jacob's been watching all these videos on youtube of people playing video games that aren't like grand theft auto or the shoot 'em up halo or call of duty but more kid he knows which ones are appropriate for him to watch yeah but there's this one game called Hungry Shark Evolution that he, like, wants to play so bad. Yeah. But it's rated teen, Mm. and he doesn't believe that it should be rated teen. Like, and so we started talking about the rating system. So, anyways, long story short, the interview's about the rating system and about how he thinks it's not fair that Hungry Shark Evolution is rated teen. Oh. (laughs) But it's not, like, it's not because he doesn't... It's not because he's not just like saying just because like he has a very clear argument as to why it shouldn't be rated teen. Yeah. And so I caught it all on tape. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, And we also go on like little mini rants about like 
sharks eating garbage and how messed up that is in real life, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, al- we also talk about news coverage of shark attacks. Um, but he's also seven. So at one point he like kind of wanders away from the microphone. So just, you can still <laughs> hear him, but he's like in the distance. And I, as a, as a good reporter, cause I'm going to one day work for NPR, I, I swear. Um, I do, re- I do repeat what he's saying sometimes into the mic so you can hear, but, um, cool. it's, I'm, sto- uh, I'm really stoked to hear it. That sounds, it sounds like we're gonna, we're gonna learn a lot about yes. seven-year-olds understandings or, um, you know, Im- very important opinions about this stuff. Yes. And so I grabbed my, um, recording equipment, like in the middle of our conversation. So we're going to transition to it now, but just so you know, we start talking when it, comes in we're talking about how unrealistic hungry shark evolution is like it's not really real like what Mm -hmm. we see in the video game and so he starts listing all these reasons why these sharks are like not really real which is one of his arguments as to why it should be rated teen i swear he like gets really into it um and i would also i'd explain to him why it was described as like a horror video game because he doesn't Mm. understand this like shark attack thing that we're all so scared of so right oh that's so interesting so anyways so we're just gonna um uh you know move it over to jacob and then we'll come back and wrap things up sounds good I know sharks don't show up in pools. That's true. Seriously. That's why this works. And the horror doesn't scare me. And the violence doesn't scare me. Nothing scares me in that game. This looks like a fun Because like 12 is a tween. Right, 12 is tween, yeah. Then why did they rate troll face tween? And why did they rate troll face 12 and then, or tween and then shark, hungry shark evolution? Teen. Teen? I that, don't know. That doesn't, they, they have the same exact same thing. They I've, have the same exact thing in common. And it, that just, Hungry Shark's a year older. Yeah, but it got a worse rating, or a higher rating. Yeah, that's no fun. I know. I don't know who, like, makes the, who decides the ratings for video The guys. Games. Who's the guys? The guys who make it. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, there's two of them, though. There's Hungry Shark 1 and Hungry Shark Evolution. So maybe. No, they're both rated teenage. Dang it. I know. But we only checked one. How do we know? I checked both of them last night, okay. and I saw the teen rating, which I was surprised by, because like you said, it's just a shark. It's not like you're you're walking around as a human with a gun shooting people. You're just eating <laughs> other animals in the sea, and then some humans sometimes. That's actually the food chain. That is true. That is true. And you know what I think the horror thing is with the shark attack, or yes. the hungry shark, is that like people are actually scared of getting bitten by sharks. I'm not you know, scared. like Jaws the movie, like that's a horror movie. There's and so also now, Jaws the game, and it's just like that. It's just like that. Do you know what that one's rated? Jaws the game, totally the same thing. T is T the highest rating? T, is no, T in the highest no. Rating? There's R and there's X for video games. Yep. Oh my there's goodness. There's R, but I don't think there's an X yet. But there's an R. Hmm. Okay. There's restricted video games. Oh, where you have to be a certain age to buy them? You have to be... Restricted is 18. Okay. Restricted is grown-up. Yep. 18 isn't really grown-up since it has T, Mm -hmm. E, E, N. Mm -hmm. So are you feeling frustrated by... Yes, because I don't even know why they waited it like that. Yeah. And you're feeling frustrated that your mom won't let you play games above 12? My dad does. He, he, I know, but he lets me play twelve plus, and and, and that and that's the that that that's, that's the only thing I can go over, and twelve plus is basically teen, so I don't. 
So I don't know why he wouldn't accept that. Yeah, it's very confusing yeah. what 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 gets rated 12 or 12 plus and then It's 12 teen. plus. It's 12 plus. It's What's the difference between 12 plus and teen for a rating? I don't know. Okay. It's like one year older. I That's know, all. right. I don't know. Maybe he'll let me... I mean, I'll just say it's just one year older than 12 face. I mean, why do you have to be anything? And it costs like one gigabyte. It's and it costs so much storage. Mm-hmm. And it, one gig I think for Hungry th- Shark Evolution. I don't know. Okay. But Hungry Shark World might be a little bit because it kind of looks more toyish in Hungry Shark World. Doesn't look that. Doesn't. I know, it doesn't look real. I know. That it doesn't, I've watched the videos. There's, like, even sharks that, like, aren't real. Lava shark isn't real. Right. That's not real. And there's, like, films that aren't even real. Right. Seriously. So because it's kind of fantasy? No, 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 no. There's one shark that doesn't give you... There's two sharks that don't give you blood. The ice and the fire. Oh, if you use them, they don't produce blood if they eat things? No, and the robotic shark does blood, but he can just fire bombs, not eat them. Oh, okay. Out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that is not real. Sharks do not... <laughs> fire bombs. And they can fly. And he can fly. Sharks cannot fly in real life. can summon meteors. Mm-hmm. Medias? Meteors. Oh, meteors. That does that so doesn't happen. everything like basically when you get the game you know that everything is fake once you learn that. So that doesn't make sense. It's I think it's the horror. I part. think even I think even kids can understand that. But I think you know what I'm thinking now? That if you're if you're young, well you're more mature than some other people your age, but like if you start playing that game and then you go visit the lake, are you gonna be too scared to go in the water because you think the sharks are gonna come out and attack you? Dude, dude, shallow water doesn't have any sharks. Even middle water doesn't have any sharks. Usually really high water has sharks. See, you know that, but other people don't. Or maybe I, and like mom even says that and she doesn't even let me get it. I I I know like shallow water doesn't have sharks. Right. Even like my friends know that. But if they start playing it, they would still know that I wouldn't be afraid that they wouldn't be afraid. Cause we know also why are there whales in the game? Question. Question one, why are there whales in the game? There's like four whales in the game that are the toughest guys. And I, that doesn't make sense. And also they're kind of horrible with them because they have scars on their faces. That's part of the horror? Because the whales have scars on their faces? No, every, every, the, like the hammerhead has a, has a scar on its face. Like the loading screen has a bunch of sharks on it with scars on it. And it also teaches you that sharks are endangered. Oh, it does? Yeah, because it did. There's guys that throwing spears, so that teaches you they're endangered. Oh, so you learn about people who hunt for sharks. And there's pollution. Don't eat the trash or go by, like, fire and stuff, or else you start getting hurt. Yeah. Because the shark, and the shark, that's usually... How they die? Well, there's another shark that just dives in, and it's like there's sharks every. There's megalodons everywhere. Isn't it sad that sharks can die from eating plastic? Yeah. Like birds and, ugh, I hate that. Don't eat that. How come they eat the trash? Don't they understand that it's not? No, there's their prey? just when they are trying to eat fish, there's just trash everywhere, everywhere in the game. Oh. So you try to so when you try to like eat the fish it's like you accidentally eat the trash. Oh. But that there, happens in real but life. But there's these tiny pets that never die and they can clean up your and they can eat the mess for themselves. The trash? Yeah. Oh, wow. And they never get hurt. So it's really cool to have though. But like 
Once you eat the twice, it's going to be way too late for him to get rid of it because he's so slow and it just bothers him. And it takes him like, like, 20 seconds to eat a trash. Mm -hmm. One piece of trash. Mm -hmm. That's like the worst. So if you were in charge of the video game industry and ratings, how would you do it differently? 12. You would make it 12? Yes. You still think video games should be rated? I don't even know why they rate them. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. You can tell by the game already. You can tell by the game. If yeah. it's appropriate, inappropriate for you or not? Yeah, like... Halo, of course, is like R. Oh, yeah. And you could already know that by looking at it. Right. Like looking at one picture. They didn't used to rate games when I was your age. I never went through this problem. And I don't even know. I think I know, well, it's they started rating them because the graphics got to be so good that start, things started to look really realistic. Where when I was your kid, when I was your age, we would just play like Super Mario Brothers, which is all just cartoon stuff. That's the only kind of video games they had. But yeah, once graphics said, started to get really good, then everything looked realistic, and so then parents started freaking out. And, and I'm not gonna freak out because I know that there's no such thing as sharks in shallow water. <laughs> or sharks in pools, right? Or sharks coming up on the beach and trying to eat you. Right. Sharks won't survive on the beach. Right. That's why, that's why, like, your house goes down so fast when you're on the beach. It's like, you couldn't just, like, totally pass out when you're walking through stuff. If the shark goes, in the game, the shark goes on, on the beach, land, your health goes way down land, super fast. It just fast. starts going... Yeah, because you can't live on the, yeah. So, it has nothing to be afraid of. All my friends know that, that there's no such thing as Right. So do you think, but do you think there's some other kids that don't understand the difference between video games and reality? Yes, yes. Like four-year-olds, they don't understand, but I just know that that is not real. Robo-sharks aren't real. Unless a genius invented them or something. Right. So what would, what is the fear of you playing shark, Hungry Shark Evolution? What is your mom's fear? Why won't, it's you know just, what I mean? It, she, she just thinks blood. She just thinks that's bad. That's The blood. You say yeah, blood. Nothing else. Nothing else. She doesn't care about the horror. She just cares about the horror. So I don't... And I know that it does look realistic, but it isn't. Because you're not actually dying when you're playing the game. Right, because you're the shark. Yeah, and of course, even if your shark dies, you don't die. Right. Even if, like, and it doesn't. Usually sharks are in whirlpools. So, so basically. In the ocean? Yeah. You are in this, in a, in like a sea. Yeah. In the ocean. And like, and they're not even in this country. So you have nothing to be afraid of. Good point. I feel here. Good point. And, but they might be all over there. Yeah. Yeah. But in the Midwest, we don't have anything to worry about. That's the point I don't get. Why can't they wait it, like, a little bit less in the United States since there's no sharks in the United States? There's not even whales in the United States. That, like, killer whales. No. Right. There's not even kill. It doesn't there's no sense. killer whales in Lake Michigan. Yes. Or the yeah. lakes of Minnesota. Or anywhere, basically. Right. Sharks are very rare to appear. Yeah. And if you see one, let it be. Right, exactly. If you see one and it doesn't see you, start swimming. But don't kick your feet so hard so they don't notice you. Mm -hmm. So they'll be like, I don't see anything. So you even know how to survive a shark if you ran into yes. one. Yes. So I have... I don't know why one negative percent chance that you're going to get eaten by a shark. A yeah. negative percent chance. I know. Chance. We've really, in this country, we've really um, amped up. like only a thousand people have been eaten by sharks. That's true. 
the news loves to cover it when people get attacked by sharks because it's so rare but then people start to think that it's very common because they see it on the news and then so people get scared of it it's a specific horror to the american people i'm not even scared of it i'm the only one i know because you haven't been indoctrinated by the news media here yet i already know that news shows really good shark attacks and stuff like that and i'm still not scared because shark attacks still aren't common they can't even be here i know so the news people just and then you think oh the news people are somewhere else Mm -hmm. if they ever do that right because they're not here in Milwaukee. There's a negative 1% chance, double negative, a quarter of a 1% of a negative 1% chance there's a chance. That is a very rare chance. It's legendary rare. So I'm just annoyed. That was super cute. He's very smart. He's super smart. I'm, yeah, I shouldn't like be patronizing because he's like at that age that he doesn't like it when I call him like a little bugger or like, like I have to be like, yes, young man. Like he was really into like being an adult. So thankfully he can't listen to my podcast. So (laughs) it's like, he's so smart and he makes such great arguments for like being a seven year old. Yeah. I mean, I think if parents are listening, they're probably like, he is playing you so hard. Like, <laughs> he's using his intelligence to try to, like, get you to, like, get that game for him. Right, right. You know? Which I did not. Yeah. But still, I was so blown away by his, you know, rich analysis of, like, what, you know, how screwed right. up the, like, the difference between, like, what's the difference between, t- he keeps calling it 12 plus, but it's really 10 plus is the rating. Yeah. Like, he doesn't understand the difference between 10 plus and teen. And I totally get that. I was totally in agreement with him because it's like, you know, you go see movies and, oh, there's a, I should say there's a, there's a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Mm-hmm. And I actually have, we can link, I have a. Um, yeah, it's free on YouTube. Yep. I have some links to, sh- to, so find it on YouTube or I'll link it to you for you all. But um, he, like, it's the same thing with movies that film directors get really upset when their stuff gets rated R when it should be. They're like, they don't even understand why some things get rated PG-13 versus R versus NC-17. Yeah, the rating system in the movie world is, is like, super fucked. And, um, yeah, based on very arbitrary decisions and uh, oftentimes, like, the prime example, and I show this clip to my students a lot, is, like, when... It was the director of Boys Don't Cry. Yes. She was told that it was okay for there to be an anal rape scene, but it wasn't okay for a woman on screen to have an orgasm that lasted longer than, like, five seconds or something. Um, so, America. That's because, uh, <clears throat> men, just because yes. your orgasms last five seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> hello, that is not yeah. how the women's body works sometimes. Yeah. We all have different orgasm lengths, and sometimes they're not five seconds, okay? Right. Anyways, people are just scared of women's sexual pleasure. Yes, it's true. (sighs) Anyways, if you'd like to get angry, you could watch that documentary. Yes. It's very eye-opening. I didn't didn't really realize how effed it was. I mean, I didn't realize how much it affected the film directors. Right, right, yeah. And yeah. they go on this chase to, like, find out who the... Because it's always anonymous. Like, the video game world has the same setup where they have anonymous reviewers. Yeah. And you don't know who they are. And so, anyways, and this film is not yet rated. They try to find who these people are and track yeah. them down. And it's Yeah, it's cool. a good documentary. We'll yeah. link it. Cool. All right. So you want to um, FWL, FLW? R. RWL. R. What did I say? F. You said F. What's F mean? I have no idea. It's like um, a combination of, like, what? 
words <laughs> of like FKJ and RWL, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why there was an F there. Wow. That's anyway. just what my brain thought. <laughs> I've been on vacay for too long. Right. But yeah, so on to what we're reading, watching, and listening to. What's your list? I'm watching the Pump Up the Jams video. Okay. <laughs> pump up the jam. Pump it yep. up. What Have you... Okay, you, everybody who's listening needs to just... You can kind of still listen to me, but like open up a new tab <laughs> and go to YouTube, pump up the jams. That video is so awesome. I, I don't think I've ever, I don't know that I've seen it. I've never seen it either, I don't think, because I'm freaking out because <laughs> it's like neon 90s and like clearly the technology was like up and coming at the time, but now it looks like people would make videos like this on cable access. Right. You know? Right. It is amazing. Great. Well, I know what I'm going to do when we are done recording. Or if you, and were I, me, if you were me, you would just do it like right now, and, okay. <laughs> and then the music would come on and you'd be busted. Right. Anyways, right. Um, then I'm well on the hip hop tip. I'm listening to um, Sophia Aris's. She has a new album out. Mm-hmm. So Sophia Aris is from Girl Party, the hip hop crew that we use to intro the show, mm-hmm. and she came out with her own album, which I'm really excited about. And she has a track dedicated to Aaliyah. And I will say she is very like Aaliyah esque, very like stoner hip-hop mm-hmm. uh, very r&b she's got a beautiful voice so it's uh free on online so you can search cool. for that if you're looking for some new feminist lady hip-hop r&b to listen to perfect and i'm reading a book by octavia butler called fledgling mm-hmm. which is have you read it no i only read one octavia butler book and i was like this is beautiful but i'm like i can't do anymore okay so this one is weird. It's about uh, a, an African-American vampire. Mm-hmm. So I love how she plays with race, class, gender, or sexuality. Totally. But it's weirding me out. I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I was I was uncomfortable when I read. Um, I honestly don't remember which which of her books that I read for um, a book club, but mm-hmm. uh, it was like it was it was very rapey. It was very like it's like sci you know it's like sci fi, and that's like not yeah. my thing. So I love that she's doing what she's doing, bringing race, class, gender analysis into sci fi. But I just it's just not my genre. So um, and I'd probably be scared of a vampire book. So. Yeah, Are you going to finish it, though? I mean, do you kind of like it? I do. I do like it because um, I think there's some interesting, like, uh, symbolism that's going on that I'm trying to, like, you know, read into a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's really bothering me, and this is not a spoiler alert if you want to read it, is that the young vampire has her, like, person is an older white guy. Mm. And that's a familiar trope in vampire because vampires don't age. And so they stay the same, you know, they're young, but they're, right. they're people, they're humans grow. Right. But this relationship started with her look, even though she's like 65, she looks like a child. Right. Oh, well, that's, so a, you, that's when weird. When you're reading it, you're, you have to imagine a young African-American girl with this like right. old, big, hairy white guy. Right. Oh. Yeah, that's but she uncomfortable. Doesn't, but I think that's part of what she does is make obviously she knew that was going to make readers uncomfortable totally so i'm just trying to sit with the uncomfortableness and see how it is but it it's uh i'm glad that you i'm not glad that you had that same response but it it it's nice to know that she that's kind of her thing yeah totally i think for sure okay. um what about yeah. you what are you f r l w x um i am reading uh i'm in total like like I don't know just I feel like I should be like a 45 year old white lady who's like a mom to many children or something reading Brene Brown because I feel like that's really her demographic do you know do you know who that is no (laughs) Um, (laughs) she got very famous from a TED talk that she did about vulnerability and she has like a PhD and I think psychology um but is now kind of like a pop psych book writer inspirational book writer and Uh this book is called daring greatly and um it's very i mean i'm it's just like very self-helpy in a Mm -hmm. way that like i like to indulge um sometimes and so yeah i'm learning about shame and vulnerability and uh, how to be shame resilient and be wholehearted and Mm. it's 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 good for my soul for my before bed reading 
Dang, that's that's some stuff to work through too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's what I'm reading. Um, I'm watching. I talked about this with Timothy last week, but I've been watching. I mean, I am like fully involved and invested in the Bachelor franchise. The Bachelorette just finished up. And now, right after a week after the Bachelorette wrapped up, um, they started Bachelor in Paradise, which I didn't even know existed. But it is basically like Bachelor and Bachelorette series seasons, like rejects, like people who didn't make it um, to win any to win the person. Um, <laughs> they go to an island and they just like put them in an island together and like want them to see if they can fall in love on the island. Um, it is completely, no, but I mean, Mel, you know, like it always serves a double purpose for us as media. Like I have a whole unit on this in my media class in the fall. So like I'm, I'm analyzing it critically, obviously. Um, and I will say that the bachelor in paradise is actually hard to even like let myself indulge for pleasure because it's just so bananas. And there Mm -hmm. was like, there's like a cast, um, a cast member who, uh, is like so incredibly sexist and violent Mm -hmm. and like, just like such, so uncomfortable that it's, it's almost like, I can't even believe that I'm going to show the television that I like put this viewed this on Hulu and like get Mm -hmm. them one more number. Right. But, but it's fast. I mean, it's fascinating. And, um, yeah, so that's, so I'm still continuing my summer reality TV, um, thing. So that's Power that. to you. I could just, I could just, I can't do it. So I, it's, good. I mean, really. It's, I mean, I'm super excited to talk about it in my class more, more so the bachelor and the bachelorette than bachelor in paradise. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been very, it's been very interesting anyway. Um, so that's, that's what I'm watching. And then I am listening to downtown boys. Uh, they're a punk band. Um, uh, one of the lead singers is Latinx and they're pretty kind of racially diverse in general. Um, and they're super fucking awesome. And I was listening to them because I realized I, um, they were playing a show in Cambridge and, uh, you know, I'm missing it by like a week and a half. Mm. And so I was like, uh, so I just was like, well, I can't go to the show. So I'll just listen to them on repeat. And I was running to their album on the treadmill and feeling very, uh, useful. Fist yeah, I can just see you on the treadmill. Fist yeah, pumping. I, I do oh. do that. I do fist pump on the treadmill. Yep. Cool. So yeah, so it's it's they're really good. Um, yeah, that's that. Yay. Yay! Oh, it's good to record with you again, Mel. It's good to be yeah. back. Episode cool. two, two, two point signs. Two. <laughs> Deuces. Yep. All right. I'm still not cool. All right. <laughs> WTF. Power. Bye. Bye.